<laughs> what is wrong with me? This this is absurd and not it's in a good way. It's performance. It's it is what it is. But this is like the only difference is that we're recording. Like it's 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 this is this is what you and I do every this is what, day. This is, well, this is not. This is uh, there's a little bit of difference. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the nerds. I'm Ian, and I'm Jack. Jack, something feels different about this podcast. I can't quite put my finger on what feels different about what we're doing this time. What, 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 what yeah. is that? I don't know, man. It feels very different to me. <laughs> very, very different. Uh, I don't know. What What do you think's going going on here? Now, here's is funny. I know you've listened to one or two of the podcasts, but. Um, uh, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, and uh, she said, I really can't listen to it. And I said, well, I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I just feel like it, it, it's like this, uh, we, we, we realize there's this uncanny valley territory for anyone who's friends with me, where uh, you feel like you should be having that conversation with me specifically. So me having sort of a one-sided conversation with no one... I mean, not with no one. I'm having it with them, the people that are listening to us right now. Sure. Um, creates this kind of, like emotional dissonance that makes it weird. Did you find that when you were uh, ever listening to the podcast? A little bit, yeah. And um, I, I also find it with the uh, guides. My experience of the guides changed dramatically when we became friends. Like, I still watch them and I enjoy them, but just like... Knowing you on on a personal level, because you and I we're quite close. And yes. So it's um, it's yeah, it is kind of an uncanny valley thing, I guess. Um, I I don't know how else to put it. Other yeah, than, but I uh, but I, I like that challenge, right? Because I I mm-hmm. that means that I have to work twice as hard to get you with the uh, the outros because you know it's and, coming. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, the outros. <laughs> the outros. Oh boy. It's we oh, the outro, shall we say? <laughs> there's two. There, um, the first time. So, uh, well, hold on, just one sec. Uh, hi, everyone. How are you doing? So, um, one of the things that I've talked about in the past couple of podcasts is um, the idea that it needs to remain something that is. Um, it can't go away. I think that there is some um, value in. Um, this conversation that pod passion of the nerd, the, uh, that, that f- identity or whatever that is, has with you directly. And, and sort of the medium for that has been me. But um, I've been talking recently about making sure that it's sort of low-hanging fruit and easier and accessible and so forth. And one of the ways that I thought that that would be easier to do is by is through you jack so here we are my here, friend. here here we, we are, are. <laughs> so you you and i um are friends we're going to talk about that in a minute but um for, yep. for anyone who's not familiar with jack or who saw the last video and was like did jack die uh, <laughs> uh hi i'm hi. jack and he's, he's I'm not a- dead I'm I'm not dead, no, no. Um, and I'm a Libra, and I like long walks on the uh, beach. Oh, you're gonna get to know this sexy beast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. Um, 
as as many of us in this uh, community, um, I'm a big fan of Buffy. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Of you course. don't say. Yeah, just a little bit. It might be, yeah, you know, one one of the greatest TV shows of all time, if not the great greatest. But uh, yeah, and um, I'm kind of a. Uh, uh, I guess shall we shall we talk about how we are met? Should yeah, I... just a minute. So uh, the the other thing that I want to, I mean, part of the the continuing conversation is going to be with Jack and I speaking with you um, all directly. I don't want to lose that interaction, um, but um, Jack has been editing content for um, the YouTube channel for a while now. We're going to talk a little little bit about that, and. Um, you know, you're a part of, you're a moderator in the live streams. Um, you've produced some of my recordings. You're someone I go to when I'm feeling weird or crappy about a script. And I'm like, I need validation. Tell me uh, that it's good. I always say that uh, a big part of my role is to stop you from having an existential cr crisis and uh, melting down and yeah. burning it all to, to the ground. Yeah, there have been a couple of times when, uh, like, ah, we're done with the Facebook group. I'm not doing this anymore. No, Ian, everything's okay. Take a breath. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, Jack. Um, <laughs> exactly. So yeah. this feels like a very natural fit to me, but I understand that the people listening uh, may be less familiar with you, and, and um, you know, it's going to take some time, um, uh, and there, there will be a little a bit of adjustment. Today on the podcast, Jack and I are going to be talking about, uh, we're going to start with the Guys Will Be Guys video. I published that l a week ago, and I mean, just one of the things I like to do is um, talk about process and sort of the evolution of that, uh, the videos as they go up. Then um, I have spoken to you guys about the List of Shame uh, project that Jack and I have been doing. But now that you're actually here, Jack, I thought we could do a summary, um, trying him quick, of all of the uh, ones we've been through so far. Um, and then uh, after that, we'll be talking about uh, fear and the management of fear. Ah, yes. Um, yes. Which seems prescient and relevant to kind of what's going on right now. There, yes. That actually relates to, I mean, it, it's an interesting connection to Guys Will Be Guys, right? Because, um, I mean, arguably, I mean, we'll get into it in a minute, but arguably, like, none of us has any cause to be afraid of bears anymore, which is really what right. our f fear center was created for. Mm -hmm. was don't stick your hand in the fire don't do this don't do that that's exactly right and now it's that an oh, sorry no, no no go ahead it's yeah it's just a leftover evolutionary thing that's uh designed to uh either get us out of danger or to prevent ourselves from putting ourselves in danger yeah and uh uh now it kind of goes haywire for a lot of people certainly me i mean i'm captain anxious neurotic and I mean, have you met met me? <laughs> I have, uh, and yes. I think you're neat. But Thanks, man. We'll talk you more too. about that in a, that in a second. <laughs> so, um, and that's uh, uh, um, one thing I was looking forward to in this. That's your segment. You wanted to uh, uh, have a conversation about that. So we've got we'll be talking about fear management. Really, is what it is. Yeah. 
After that, um, before we, Jack and I both say goodnight to you, uh, Jack's going to go away and I'm going to do our fanfic reading. Uh, Here is Gone by Terry Boda. I'm, it's been too long and I may actually, I mean, I keep saying I'm going to put out a two chapter video, but um, I think I just need to be happy with what I get recorded and what I get put out to you, the audience, uh, as I do. Okay, so Jack, for the uninitiated, who are you, and how did we meet? Okay, well, again, I'm Jack, uh, and uh, we've been friends for what five, going on six years now, um, and yeah, something like that. Yeah, and um, so I basically, I as I said, I'm a big fan of uh, Buffy the the Vampire Slayer. Um, I'd seen, I, I started watching it when, when it was airing and, um, and, uh, sorry, I just got a weird sound in my, uh, headphones. Uh, that's okay. This is yeah. your first podcast. Um, this is, we can, uh, Jack, Jack, yes. I like, yes. uh, this is, uh, um, they're my accountability buddies and I like to keep this yep. relationship honest. And, yes. and so if we're being honest, yep. you're a little nervous. Yes, I am very, very much so. <laughs> very, very much so. Um, Is there any freedom in yeah. just disclosing that and saying it up front? Oh, a, a ton. I already feel like a weight is li- yeah. lifted off of me. Yeah. So uh, they yeah. already like you. Trust yeah, me. I'm okay. I have yeah. pretty eyes and great you, hair. Your uh, um, hair you could get lost in. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> How do we how do I we move on from, from that? <laughs> how do you segue? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I started watching Buffy when it was airing. I was like ten or eleven years old, um, and I'd seen most of no all of the high school uh, episodes. So that's uh, season three, and then from season four onwards, I'd seen a little bit and sort of like, uh, but sort of. I think at that time, um, it like it changed t- time slots here in the land down under. And um, I think I might have switched ne- networks and I kind of sort of fell away from, from it, I, I guess. Um, and then probably seven years ago now or so, I decided to watch the whole series from start to, to finish. And I absolutely adored it, of course. Um, and I'm actually really glad that I hadn't, that I waited until I was an, an adult because so much of that would have went over jack's like little little jack's head and i just wouldn't be like oh yeah pretty girls fighting and killing monsters cool it's a different Um, experience for sure exactly yeah yeah yeah. and um so i jumped on the old uh youtube.com and like i i I just knew that there was there, there was more than meets the eye with that show and i wanted to find somebody uh namely ian i guess who was uh discussing the 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 show and like digging into it and uh figuring out what it was all about and at first all all i could find was uh reactors who were like yeah that cordelia chick's really hot and no shade thrown thrown at reactors i watch a couple myself but it just wasn't what i was looking for and then i found you ian my dear wonderful friend (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and it's I, so funny to me because I, I mean, you know, I just wanted to pretend, sorry, uh, that's my, 
uh, weekly reminder to turn off your phone, Ian, because you're doing a recording right now in front of people. <coughs> I wanted to pretend that I was just writing this stuff and making a little video and putting it on the internet. And, you know, if we got 100 views, okay, cool. Maybe those were bots. And then, you know, so hearing the journey from the other end to uh, the channel is always interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't remember what the first video I saw was. I really wish I, I could remember. But I know at the time I found the uh, channel, you were in the middle of season two. So pretty early on. Um, and then from there, because I am an egregious fanboy and <laughs> if if you make something i like you can guarantee that i'm going to find a way to contact you and tell you that i like what you uh, do and that's kind of how how this 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 bromance uh started <laughs> I, yeah um, so uh you started messaging me through the facebook page mm -hmm. um and it was uh it was it was long yeah <laughs> Everybody who knows me says exactly the same thing. I, like everybody, I just I I type and I type and I type and I don't mean it, but I just do. And, and it was it was it, uh, and I was sort of. Uh, I don't think that I've gotten comfortable with the fact that p people actually listen to this until I started going to comic cons and meetings, uh, people directly, um, or people coming up to me and saying that they love the channel and can they get a picture together and stuff like that. So. Well, that was odd. Um, yeah. No, sorry. The Skype just took a picture. The um, uh, so it wasn't. That it was long. It was very kind. It was super kind. Um, and I was definitely going through a stage of. Uh, uh, glad you enjoyed the it. Good old um, Im imposter syndrome. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and then you messaged me again. After another video. Yeah. I did, yeah. And I was like, ah, glad you enjoyed it. And then, yeah. uh, you know, I the, everyone who listens to this podcast is well aware that Ian uh, liketh the beverage, uh, enjoyeth the adult beverage. And with our time delay being what it is, um, I think, what, you're 14 hours ahead of me? Something like like that. I yeah. mean, it's one o'clock in the afternoon here, right? Right now. Yeah, so. yeah, and I'm I'm approaching uh, midnight. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, up late one night, too much uh, wine to drink. You happened to send so, a message while I was sitting there, and I got the notification, and then I responded, and then you responded, and we mm -hmm. started going back and forth like that, yeah. and then a couple days later, we had another chat, and then another chat, and then. Yeah, I think that went on for several months, I think. And then one day you just added me on Facebook uh, from your uh, per personal account. and uh, that's, a, yeah. that's a big act of bravery for me. <laughs> Very. Especially back then. Especially yeah. back then. A lot of, a lot of fear and anxiety uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. when connecting. Um, you might have, when you added me, you might have even also had a little uh, Dutch courage, shall we call it. <laughs> Um. Oh yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of that early on, and especially with our yeah. with our time difference. Um, and then I think I asked you to be a moderator in the live streams, and yeah, kind of went from um, there. You started editing showed... patron uh, patron bonuses. Yeah, um, 
I rocked up to a live stream one day and you were just like, oh, I need a moderator and Jack's here. I know him. And yeah, so that was sort of the first uh, role. Did I, I just promote I you during the stream? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was very <laughs> sporadic. It wasn't planned or, or anything. Well, that doesn't um, sound like me. <laughs> and then, yeah, um, we just talked a lot. And then about, um, I, I told you how I was in, interested in video production and... Um, how I was trying to learn and all that stuff. And you being the lovely, kind, amazing person you are, you sort of took me under your wing and uh, showed me the ropes. And yeah, as you mentioned, I started um, editing a bunch of uh, p Patreon bonuses, the uh, readings, and um, that's been a ton of fun um, and something that's <laughs> really helped me grow as an editor, I guess. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I mean, they're a lot yeah. of fun to record. They're fun to make. You wouldn't know it based on our output, which we mutually <laughs> take responsibility for. We're sorry. <laughs> we're, we're, we're so really sorry. sorry. But we're working on it. We really are. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll talk a bit about that, that at the end. Yeah, we're going to deliver some today that are done. Uh, which, so let's move this along. Um, yeah. We're gonna. So we published uh, the guys will be guys video uh, a week ago, um, and unfortunately, that video is a testament to my normal, convoluted, torturous, procrastination-laden uh, writing process. Um, so I mean, obviously, the whole, the whole. Uh, motivating factor here is to to get to one video every two weeks and now i'm on fool for love so good luck with that but um you know i scoped guys i i i, I thought okay i'm gonna start scoping videos so i figured out how many recorded minutes there are per page of an essay so that i could say Okay, well, if I want guys will to be guys to be twelve minutes long, that's going to be about five six pages. And then in my head, I I I don't have to spin so hard because I can go. Okay, well, this some videos just need to be a review, you know. Like I'm just going to um, I'm just not going to have a lot to say about where the wild things are, or go fish, or Connor. I don't want season the season four videos to just be me complaining about how frustrating that season is. Um, and then a couple of things happened. Um, first of all, while we were waiting, um, I, I finished a game with a friend of mine, uh, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. And Hellblade is about... Yes, Hellblade is about a woman who descends into Viking hell... Uh, with the head of her lover to retrieve his soul from hell um, because of the way he was killed he he his soul went to Hela instead of to Valhalla and um, the game deals with mental illness the game deals with abuse the game deals with a few different things uh, in the game I don't want to spoil any of it because it's well, I guess it's one of my favorite games of all time same yeah but her uh, her monsters are all 
there's a design to everything that's happening in the game. So as she walks around, she can hear voices in her head. You, the player, hear voices in the headphones, and those are the voices she's subjecting herself to while she's trying to find her way through this area. And then um, the monsters are specifically motivated. And then when after we finished the game, uh, this friend and I, we had a conversation about they structured this entire thing about abuse, um, uh, the way Senua carries the damage from her abuse, and what all the monsters mean, and all of this were about mental health and and um, so, um, uh, being a survivor of those kinds of experiences. And I was really struck by it. And Wesley is one of my favorite uh, angel characters in the series. And I st- the, the thing that I was left with um, from Hellblade was the way in which uh, abuse sometimes causes its uh, victim in, the, in that... Uh, okay, I don't like to use that word too much when it, uh, it comes to that conversation but, but uh, into their own abuser. And I started thinking about the way that works in terms of memory and in terms of, um, you know, even if your abuser is gone, um, like uh, the memories and the things that we make them mean continue to torture us over time. And so I started to think about Wesley and I, you and I were having a conversation, Jack, where I um, said, is it just me or does Wesley seem like a survivor of abuse? And we looked at some dialogue specifically in the episode, uh, episode and we both kind of felt like, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. the evidence of it is there. Yeah, there is, there is enough there to back back it up for, for sure. Um, he's, he's dealing with trauma from, from his past. Yeah. And then I thought about, well, Untouched very specifically uh, brought up the idea of abuse because of what Darla was doing to Angel this season. And then, so I went back and revisited Untouched, and I caught Angel's and Bethany's conversation in the episode in a way that I hadn't before. Um, <clears throat> so the, the scene that's in the video features a crash cut at the end of it, where, where Bethany says... I, I wish I could see people. I'd love to see people the way you do. And then there's a hard one of those angels like cuts uh, to Darla and Angel having sex on a pile of bodies or something like that. And the crash cut so, I think, in, in watching the episode, wipes out the experience of um, the conversation between the two of them. It's this very nice... So I started considering the conversation in a bubble... And to me, it was about what I was talking about in the episode, being able to, the idea of mirrors, the idea of reflections and the, and seeing people in our lives in a way that they cannot see themselves. And from there, it just kind of started to come together. I remembered I talked about mirrors and somnambulist, um, and that whole, it was like, a very weird experience. Sometimes the the 
conclusions just come to me. Uh, you know, it's it's writing for a minute or two and out pops the conclusion. This was like chip away at the idea, chip away at the idea, find connections, find um, all of that. Yeah. I, I remember um, like at the beginning of the uh, process, you weren't quite sure of uh, where to go and how to approach it. And, and you certainly found it uh, the more you got, got into it. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's always a thing, right? Is is mm-hmm. every essay needs a perspective. I mean, there's, there's, I would say that 12% of the video is a review. The rest of it is an examination of theme and character and, and, and kind of a celebration of all of that. Um, so, and I'll talk about, uh, Fool for Love, uh, which is the other one, the one I'm working on. The other thing that uh, was kind of coinciding is it seems like everyone around me, including myself, are all kind of going through something strange. I, and I don't know if this is a phenomena that is across the board or if this is just something uh, that I've noticed with the people in my personal life. But ever since the quarantine started, there was like a month or two of just hot surviving, high coping mechanisms, high, uh, 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 you know, all sort of like being afraid or whatever. But the thing that I've noticed right now is that it seems like a lot of the people, you know, before that, it's not an uncommon phenomenon to say, you know, I'm going to write that novel. I'll start next week, yeah. you know, um, or to, to, to want to make a connection or to want to have a conversation or whatever and to sort of kind of put it off because comfort breeds uh, apathy, Right. But if there's one thing we've all been since March, it's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's putting it gently. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I I think personally I've noticed in uh, the the phenomena coming back around again where everyone is just like, you know what? Fuck it. I just want a little piece of joy. I want to be a little happy. I want to be a little whatever. So... I'm a, yeah, like there's been a lot of people uh, close to me that I've seen being brave or having to deal uh, like uh, attacking insecurity in a way that they wouldn't have normally or a way they would have ignored normally and just being like, you know what, I, I deserve to be happy, you know, and, and uh, um, kind of tackling it. And I think that that has fed into this um that fed into that script and that that examination where um you know it, uh, it's i'm dating and our time together uh is is unlike anything i've experienced with anyone else before and i think like right now in the situation too like um, it's been a while for me. And so a lot of these mechanisms and this anxiety and these neuroses and, and things like that, this imposter syndrome that I was talking about, and it keeps popping up, you know, while we're spending time together. And I'm just over it. Maybe it's turning 40. Maybe it's the whole deal. But I'm just like, uh, I'm just tired of that spin cycle in my own head and not allowing myself to be happy right and so 
acknowledging that, saying that, saying any of these things doesn't make them go away, but that process of acknowledging, I've had enough of this, and and just trying to sort of let things go so that I can be present and happy in the moment and and uh and so that I can show up for her and and you know uh be there when someone else needs me as opposed to just feeding on this sort of selfish I mean we're all selfish selfish is not a selfish is an unfair um yeah it's not it doesn't um, apply I think yeah, get, I mean we all have to be a little selfish at some point to yeah. look after ourselves. It's it's an essential component of being a human being. Yeah, and that's something I've uh, like I've kind of has been a part of the process of this podcast is like self care, taking two days off, all of that. So I think um, selfish gets a bad rap, but um, being sort of exclusively so and exclusively wrapped up upstairs, including in your own self hatred. You know, as opposed, because like my self hatred or my uh, torture and anxiety and all that has nothing to do with her, right? And while I'm doing all of that, I'm also not showing up for her and being present with her. And uh, it's not just about feeling the joy and um, uh, of the uh, spending time together. It's like, you know. Trying, trying to think two steps ahead and all of that yeah. stuff, and yeah, yeah, being so afraid to fail or to make a mistake or to say the wrong thing or any of those things mm. that you actually just check yourself out. You create the problem that you're afraid of mm. instead of just being with a person and having a conversation. Anyway, stop trying to control everything and just let go. Yes, I've heard you say that many times in the past week many or two. Times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, for those who who don't know, that's uh, a quote from Fight Fight Club. Uh, Ty Durden says it to uh, the narrator uh, character, and Jack. it's something that's uh, yeah. J- no, no, Jack. I am Jack's. Oh uh, yeah. I well, that's the thing. I I don't think his name is actually Jack though. If you if you look at the uh, script, he they call him the narrator. Uh, well, know. it's convenient. Yeah, yeah. It's but, um, yeah. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah tangent. No, all good. <laughs> Um, anyway, all of those factors, uh, kind of circled around and what came out was guys will be guys. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful, <laughs> <A> wonderful. <laughs> um, uh, those things started to come together. Uh, our conversation, uh, occurred. You let me read you. Like I said, does this make sense? And I read you most of that outro. Um, And of course, since you were part of the inspiration for what I wrote, um, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the first video I've dedicated, other than the Patreon readings. But I didn't mean for people to think that you were dead, Jack. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 I'm not dead. And and I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, Yeah, um... Uh, that dedication floored me. I mean, we were actually in in a Skype call watching the the premiere together, and uh, so like we're watching the the outro, and I'm sort of like tearing up just from the outro itself because I mean it hits pretty close close to home uh, for, for me. And then the words pop popped up on screen, and I'm like, <gasps> and I cried even more. And then I was like literally speechless. I didn't know what to say other than thank thank you. That's that all I could really. 
monster to say there, but um, yeah, like as you said, we talked about the essay, and um, yeah, you were writing about themes that were very um, uh, close to me, I guess, and um, you know, just to get a little uh, per personal for, for for a second, um, yeah, I've I've kind of always um struggled with things like um self-esteem and knowing my, my own worth and all of those kind kinds of things, and um, and I guess I've spent a lot of time kind of blaming myself when people uh, have mistreated me or treated me poorly and whatnot, um, and I've I've always seen it as like a problem with me rather than a problem with the other person when they treat me poorly or, you know, didn't love me or like ditched me or whatever, you know, um, rather than like seeing it as like a, a reflection of them and whatever they are going through at the uh, time, I, I would always really take it on board and sort of beat, beat myself up with it endlessly. Um, which I've spent a, like, I'm, 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 I mean, you've heard this story like it, a hell of a lot. <laughs> that's kind of, I mean, that's that's kind of been up for me personally too lately. Is like I, I definitely have the uh, uh, abandonment fear plus uh, desire to appease, mm -hmm. and and uh, uh, you know, there's that constant, persistent. Something goes wrong. I, I I don't know about you personally, but something goes wrong. I go, no matter what, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe I did something. Maybe I did this thing that yeah. that maybe I maybe I can fix it. Maybe I can, you yeah, know. Me too, man. Um, and yeah. um, one of the things I talked about in uh, a medium article I wrote was like, the way my dad handled conflict was to just stop talking. You know, and if you're a kid, if you're a teenager and you don't understand what happened, you start making up answers to the question, what happened? What did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. So it actually fostered that spin cycle of maybe I said this thing or maybe I said the wrong thing or maybe I did this or maybe I did that. Um, and on the other side of things, there's this weird fear that if I stop doing that, then... I, it's this descent into narcissism that I'm going, that then I become unreachable. Then I don't actually, then I stop growing. Then I stop, uh, uh, if I make a mistake and I can't see it and own it and do any of this, then, you know, the relationships will fall away and I'll die alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and man, it's a, it's a difficult thing to, uh, yeah. to, to pull yourself out of. I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but I've still got a, a, a bit of work to uh, do myself. Um, it's hard, hard, man. Um, Finding the balance. Like, knowing yeah, your worth. And, I mean, that's kind of the whole yeah, thing. It's like, know your worth, right? That's exactly what it is. And and yeah, the longer you also uh, wrestle with those uh, feelings, the harder they are to shrug, shrug off as well. Um, and yeah, but I mean, like, like I always say, man, if there is life, there there is hope. So, you know, I mean, if you're alive, you've still got time to change, time to grow, and yeah, try to get get better and be better, you know? Um, yeah, there's a weird... Um, there's two things... Re like, uh, one thing a while ago that I, I, I started to realize, and, and another thing recently, which is like, I definitely resist that I'm a meat sack... <laughs> you know, 
Yeah. Like yeah, uh, you definitely you you have a propensity to overanalyze and well, yeah. uh, tr- try and intellectualize the things I should say. Well, it's 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 not just that. I definitely live in my head, but I I uh um what you were talking about the the more you believe something or the more you you um anxiety actually uh, I think gets stickier the more time you spend with it. Yeah. Um and that's just uh, you know something that I don't think I, I realized I had to, I couldn't intellectualize my way out of um, because brain pathways that you travel down over and over and over again get mm. thicker and stronger and all of that and so when you start yeah. trying to think a new way it's a lot of work to to yeah. notice yourself going down the old pathway and say oh I'm not going to do that yeah. you know and I'm suddenly uh, reminded of a quote from uh, the first season of American Horror Story. Uh, the father character says, um, the more you fear something, the more power you, you give it. Yeah. And I, I, I firmly believe that. Like, it's very true. That's, uh, that's very apropos of the third segment we're going to have today. <laughs> yes, indeed. <Yeah>. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, was there anything else you want to say about that before we move on? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess just thank you, you know, like that, oh, yeah. that really um, meant a lot to me. And, you know, you've, you've always seen the good in me and you've always tried to make me see it myself, even though um, I've been kicking and screaming and throwing t- <laughs> tantrums the whole freaking time. But, um, yeah, no, you, you, you've helped me a lot and our friendship is... Um, you you've helped helped me grow is what what I, w- I will say and yeah I appreciate that man and I love you I love you too. Uh, the other th- I mean just letting being trusting and vulnerable with someone else especially when you've dealt with damage is an act of bravery. So like just being willing so, to open up and and to to hear th- some of the things that you and I talk about um, I know it takes a lot. So it's not yeah. it's not all me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> All right, so we're going to run through a quick review for each of the movies we've watched so far with the List of Shame project. I don't remember how we got... I think... Bright, so you and I were just we, looking we, for a reason to hang out on the yeah, regular. Yeah, um, Brightburn was the first kind of thing that we watched together, but it wasn't on the list. I don't think the list had been compiled at this point. It hadn't. Uh, but I yeah. think when we watched this movie, I was I brought up the idea of I've been meaning to watch classic films for years, and you said, "All right, I'm into it." And uh, yeah. so we consider *Brightburn* the beginning of uh, this project, even though it doesn't belong on this list. Yeah. Um, *Brightburn*, *Dark Superman*. It's a horror movie. I thought it was okay. That's all. That's, that's all you. I, had? I yeah. it, that's all I got on *Brightburn*. It was okay. <laughs> okay. Um. I, I really liked it as a horror fan. Um, I, I mean, story-wise, it is, it's, it's a little basic. And it's, it's heavily, like... It's horror. It heavily borrows, borrows from su- Superman. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised DC hasn't sued. Like, yeah. Um, but it really appealed to uh, the horror fan in me and um, the, the sort of over-the-top horror uh, spectacle of it. Um, and even like as a horror fan, there, there there are even a few scenes that I found really gruesome. I had to look away because it's it's 
Ooh, it's it's intense. But, it's um... it's it's a you know what it is to me is it's a supernatural slasher film. It's right, I mean yeah. he's not really that different than Freddy Krueger, and I think that's the reason why I'm ambivalent about it is I wanted right. him to be morally tortured, and instead he's more mm-hmm. controlled by the. Sur- There's yeah. never a moment when you feel like he could have turned out differently than he did. Exactly. That's why. That's why. Like the plot to me felt felt a little basic and just like it. It could have been a lot better. It it was more or less like they they had had like a meeting that the filmmakers had a meeting that and they're like okay bad suit Superman what do we do and then they just threw a bunch of spaghetti against the wall and made the movie out out of it and um I I liked it though and um. I, I, I do rec- recommend it uh, if you're into horror and you would like to see a dark take on the Superman uh, story. Yeah. Uh, what do we watch next? Uh, the next one was Edge of Tomorrow uh, from 2014. It was uh, directed by the director of The Born Identity, Doug Lyman, and starring Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. Um, and it was essentially Groundhog Day with, with aliens, right? Yep. <laughs> Um, I, I enjoyed it. It's, it's, I I mean, it's a very decent and well-made action flick. Um, and there's some like non-linear story, storytelling, uh, elements that I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend it too. Uh, yeah. Incredibly entertaining popcorn film was kind of what I thought of that movie. Uh, after that we watched... This is really the first. Uh, so um, the way we composed the beginning of the list. Yeah, well, the way we composed the list was it wasn't just um, classic films that one or both of us hadn't seen, but personal favorites that one or the other had not seen too. And so uh, that's how Edge of Tomorrow got on that list. Was um, I think it's a really fun movie, mm. and I thought. Why don't we watch it? And uh, out of two hundred and something movies on the list, we pulled at random, and we got Edge of Tomorrow first, yeah. uh, which was r- weird and ridiculous. Because the next movie uh, was Some Like It Hot, nineteen fifty nine. Tony, Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon hide from the mob as women in a traveling band with Marilyn Monroe. Jack and I both struggled with it until the very last joke, which retroactively made us enjoy the entire thing. Yeah, um, yeah. It it felt like a bit of a slog for most of it. Like, uh, there's some there's some decent but kind of dame dated humor, um, kind of like slapsticky kind kind of stuff. Um, well, it's a it's a genre we just don't see a lot of anymore, and I didn't realize we were watching that genre while we were. Right, right. I I basically knew nothing about it going in. Yeah, um, it's a farce. Um, yeah, which is its yeah. own kind of kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little like yeah. it's a little like uh, reaching for your water and getting coke. Yeah. you know that experience <laughs> right. of like not your palate not being uh, properly right. calibrated. Yeah, um, yeah, but as as you said, uh, the very last line at the end was incredibly funny, and it really ele- elevated the end the entire film film for yes. me. And I I haven't watched it since, but I would gladly do do so. And yeah, I'd recommend it if you have a taste for classic cam campy films. It's just good, silly fun, really. Agreed. Yeah. Um, next, we watched Lawrence of Arabia from 1963. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a somewhat biographical piece directed by David Lean and starring the late great Peter O'Toole. And it's about the real life uh, T.E. Lawrence and it consists mostly of his experiences through World, World War One. This was another <laughs> slog for me. Like, oh my God. The first 40 minutes or so, I was, I was invested, but after that, it just becomes slow and... If, if I'm being honest, by the end, I, I just couldn't wait for it to, to be, be now, over. <laughs> I should say that we decided... There was a decision that we had to make early on, which was, do we watch these with context, or do we watch them without context and then seek context afterwards, right? So um, uh, I shared our experience with this movie. So there are two parts to the movie. There's an over overture... That is like seven minutes long. It, I, maybe it just felt seven minutes long. And then there's an intermission. And then there's the the second part of the movie. And we both enjoyed the first part of the movie and found the second half of the movie narratively confusing and weirdly yeah. structured. Yeah, um, it's, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it, it, it went for al- almost four hours, I, I, I believe. I, I looked up the, the runtime yesterday. Um, but I mean... In defense of it, it, it's got some beautiful cin- cinematography. Uh, it's got to be one of the prettiest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't help but think that maybe if I was around in 1963, I really would have liked it. But I'm, I don't know. As a, I mean, it, it's not that I dislike old, old movies. It's just that story storytelling has evolved since since then, right? So I mean, that's always the yeah. trick, right? Is is storytelling everything evolves storytelling evolves cinematography evolves uh structure evolves editing evolves things i'm not going to say get better but they change uh they evolve over time and so um you know i think we all you and i both have specific hooks that we look for in a particular thing and they just weren't there for Lawrence. But I talked to a mutual friend of ours about Lawrence of Arabia uh after and and shared the experience that you and I had with her and she um, uh, talked about Omar Sharif, who I believe was the first Egyptian actor in American television. Yeah, I believe he was. Yeah, and so that, the movie uh, was very celebrated and featured in her household uh, as a part of that. And also she said we made a huge mistake watching it back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She Which said I that to me as well. Absolutely agree with. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Totally agree because my brain was just mushed by the end of it. I, I just I still have issues with the structure of the narrative in part two, um, mm-hmm. and maybe that's because it's structured more like an epic or a history rather than uh, yeah. a story that has a climax. I think the climax yeah. gets. Yeah, it doesn't flow very well, and 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 the, the climax feels like it's it, it's well before the end the yeah. end of the film, at least from for, for me. Um, but we still and it's also we yep. still we we just run an issue. Sometimes it probably would be better to get context before we start watching the film. Yeah, but you, I think you and I decided that we didn't want to spoil things for ourselves, and we just kind of wanted to have the first yeah. initial experience. 
and we're like like you you and I we're basically film film nerds and so we want to uh, experience the films and yeah. what they have uh, to 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 offer and then yeah like I enjoy after we watch something we we spend time researching it we find out in, interesting bit, bits and whatnot yeah um yeah so after that we went on to Spartacus 1960 uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. It does not feel like it's directed by Stanley Kubrick, except for one part of it. Uh, Trailblazer in the genre that we both thought um, now has been remade a few times with better, more entertaining versions. Again, because editing evolves, special effects evolve, acting evolves, acting is much more naturalistic now, as opposed to acting for the cheap seats. Um, Fight choreography has gotten better, so forth. Um... I personally do love the place the movie holds in the in American history. The movie was written by a writer who was blacklisted during the McCarthy era, Dalton Trumbo. And there's a wonderful movie about Trumbo starring Brian Cranston called Trumbo, if you haven't seen it. And it um, uh, talks about him writing under pseudonyms and so forth after he was blacklisted because he was a communist um, in the 50s and 60s. And uh, Kirk Douglas actually just hired Trumbo to fix the script, punch everything up, and then said, we're putting your name on it, I don't care. So Kirk Douglas uh, uh, just kind of resisted all of the political pressure to uh, not put his name on I believe Trumbo also wrote uh, Roman Holiday, which was, uh, but he, it was um, published for and won the Academy Award for writing uh, under the name of a friend of his. But anyway, um, that was. I thought Spartacus was entertaining. There was at least an emotional moment in it that we both got yeah. hooked, which I was yeah, like, yeah, Yay! yeah. That was um, right at the end, right? Right, right at, at the, the end. end, in the last yeah. uh, twenty minutes, when there he's made to duel again. Yeah. And yeah, the was, winner of was, the duel gets crucified, which was like. Yeah. So they're trying was, to kill their friend to put them out of misery, so they don't have to be crucified. Yeah. Um. For me, like contrary to Lawrence of um, Arabia, it held my attention a lot better. Yeah. Um. If, if, even though it's from the same uh, like era of cinema as, as uh, Lawrence of, of Arabia, but um. Yeah, Lawrence was three years after Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I, I, I kind of like. What am I trying to say uh, here? It was more. Um, I, I mean, Ian, as you said, like uh, the acting ha- has has come a long long way. It's more nat- natural now. And for me, it was very apparent watching this that oh, I'm watching an old film because the acting just I just couldn't really get immersed in it yeah. because it just wasn't. Um, it just didn't feel real to me. Um, but again, it's another beautiful, uh, beautifully shot. Uh, film for the most part and um yeah i, I guess oh. i mean i mean it feels it feels like it's lack, lacking a bit and it feels date dated but it wasn't t- terrible but by any means now i'm going to accelerate us just a little bit here after that we watched mm-hmm. gremlins one and two mm-hmm. um i've they're very very special film films to me but i know they haven't aged well yeah. at all i i yeah. uh, there's been a couple of movies uh, uh I saw Gremlins 2 in the theater. I thought it was hilarious and amazing. But after mm-hmm. watching 1 and 2 with you together, I was like, I don't think I need to watch those ever again. 
Yeah, I mean, and and that kind of because I I felt the the same way, and it kind of crushed me because I was like, <laughs> these these were so good in my me- memory, but before I watched them, um, but I mean, they're still that they're still special and they were still very good for their time um wasn't it jim henson that did the uh Gre- uh, gremlins i don't rem- i don't remember but something I, I i could be be wrong there don't uh quote quote me but yeah the the puppets are all really well uh done and yeah i mean it just two is still better than one but uh oh definitely one feels um, like a tales from the dark side episode or something like that like uh, yeah. a, a single idea extended too long over the course of uh yeah and two is just batshit crazy gonzo yeah two two really knew what it was yeah. and and it didn't try to be anything other than what it was it's silly and crazy and it's yeah, you know, there's there's a couple of laughs in there, and I would rec- recommend it if if you're hanging out with the bun bunch of friends and ha- having a couple of drinks, may maybe put put it on and have a have a giggle. Why, why, why not? Um, after that was Untouchables, a Brian De Palma crime film written by David Mamet about Kevin Costner's Elliot Ness defeating Robert De Niro's Al Capone. I think the movie holds up fine. Sean Connery is the reason to watch the movie. But it's it's not my favorite crime film. Okay, yeah, um, I I liked it. Uh, well, I, actually, I, I liked it quite a lot, as you said. Yeah. Sean Connery was amazing. My only he real issue life. was go ahead. Sorry, <laughs> no, that's, okay. that's me doing my Connery. Um, the depiction of Al Capone um, by uh, Rob, Robert De Niro didn't land for for, for me. Uh, Robert De Niro, of course, is an incredible actor, but I'm I'm very familiar with uh, Al Capone as a figure. I've I, I've researched him a lot and read a lot, and so I just couldn't suspend my disbelief there because uh, De Niro didn't look, act, or seem like Al Capone at, at all to, to me. It wasn't a bad performance; it just wasn't Al Capone. Yeah, he was doing yeah. something, but it wasn't. He, he he wasn't doing an impression or wasn't uh looking to replicate the the nuances of uh the man's character what was next yeah um arrival from 2016 uh by the french canadian film denis villeneuve villeneuve um, villeneuve i actually looked up the uh pr- pr- pronunciation of that <laughs> oh is it villeneuve okay i'll shut up yeah 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 uh, uh, and, and it's denis cuz he's french yeah. Uh, but yeah starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, who we all know and love as Hawkeye, um, well. and the legendary Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> um, essentially, aliens land on, on Earth, and the government enlists the helps of a linguistics e- expert to help uh, communicate with them. And that's um, and anything else is a spoiler. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to want to say first and foremost the. The least you know about this film going in, the better. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think I can speak for the both of us when I say it's it, it's it's a very special film, and it's 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 not just a movie; it's poetry, right? It, it's, it, it's one of my three favorite gorgeous. films of the last decade. Yeah, um, it's just it's just wonderful and beautiful, and the ending is just. Wow, love yeah. it. Yeah, it, it's incredible. After that, we went to Kill a Mockingbird, a classic, strangely constructed American film about um, a trial of a black man in the 1920s South. 
the tri it's a three acts the first and third acts are concerned with the children of gregory peck who is the lawyer defending uh the man accused of rape in the 1920s in the south um it's a classic it's incredible it's also very hard to watch and uh jack you actually yelled during the verdict which yes uh, i did which it made like, me... oh yeah jack's not an american <laughs> i yeah i hadn't seen it and i i had a rough idea of what one was about i knew it it, it uh it uh touched on themes of ra- racism and whatnot um but yeah touched I, on. I, I guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's putting it light, yeah. lightly um yeah, the yeah, there's a I, I don't want to spoil it, but there is there is a part concerning the verdict that was very unjust and it made me very 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 angry. Like I I actually yelled at at the screen. Um the interesting thing about yeah. that is is it sort of it puts a spotlight on my own maybe American complacency with the fact that mm-hmm. you know I think your reaction is the just and honorable one. My reaction was like, well, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah the South, uh, or yeah. it wasn't just the South, yeah. 1920s, you know. Yeah. And of and course, explain- present day events and police and all yeah. of that. It's like, uh, boy, yeah. is the movie uh, 1962 couldn't be more um, yeah. appropriate for even current times, which is yeah. this weird thing, staggering thing to say. Yeah, and after like, because after the film, we we always have have a de- discussion about it, and and you explained those uh, th- things to me, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. right, it's not all, all that surprising, is it? Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so we're we're running a little bit long. Let's uh, yep. uh, let's see if we can switch to quick hits. Rocky Horror Picture yep. Show. Ah, uh, wonderful. Uh, Tim Curry is. In- incredible it's not my typical uh cup cup of cup of tea um i'm not a big fan of mu- musicals myself but um i i enjoyed it as a love letter to the b-movie horror genre that's what i'll say uh i still don't know if i liked or disliked it but tim curry <laughs> is uh that's one of the most captivating unique performances yeah. i've ever seen in a movie one thing i want to add is uh tim Tim Curry's physicality in that film is incredible. Yeah. He threw himself into it 100%. It was amazing. Miss Dr. Frankenfurter feels like he's alive and kicking someplace. Uh, Wild Strawberries, yeah. my favorite film so far. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed it. I love the sort of uh, surrealist art house sort of vibe. It to, to me, in a weird way, it reminded me of um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is yeah. one of our favorite films. Yeah. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, be- beautifully shot, and it had a really uh, uh, nice, hopeful a- ending, which we didn't. Which expect, I was right? shocked at. I yeah. thought I for certain. I so it's about an older older man touring his life and memories that he regrets, and mm-hmm. we and it's it's told in a very visually surreal style, but it's not hard to follow, and it never gets totally abstract. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like a Christmas Carol motif, kind of, except they're just his memories yeah. that he's exploring. Yeah. And it, with a little sprinkle of uh, Citizen Kane, in yeah, a way. Yeah, um, and we were both yeah. sure we were, knew how it was going to end, and we were wrong. It ends in a hopeful, yeah. like, yeah. Um, place of healing, which I really loved. And I'm, 
And I'm really glad that they uh, did, did yeah. that too and didn't go the, the sad route. Yeah. Uh, directed by Ingmar Bergman. It's the first Ingmar Bergman movie we've both seen. And I now really want to watch uh, The Seventh Seal and the rest of his films. The Red mm. Shoes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely one we <laughs> suffered through. I've summarized it previously, so we don't need to again. There's a... Uh, Redeeming 12 to 13 minutes in the middle of it, and the rest of it was kind of yeah. agony. Yeah, there's a beautifully shot, uh, again, kind of surrealist uh, ballet sequence. Other than that, it's about a woman who doesn't have her own agency and has a bunch of dudes telling her what she, she should, should do. Yes. And it's, 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 I never want to see that film yes, again. Yes, there's a and false I, I, choice at the end she's uh, uh, presented with, and we were both like, no, no, just leave both of these ass hats yeah. and do your own <laughs> thing, Wendy, or whatever her name um, was. And didn't uh, Scorsese say it was one of his favorite yeah, films? Yeah, his name's on the remaster uh, that oh. we watched. Uh you know, one of the things that we can't account for personally is like the—I mean, the the ballet sequence in the middle is stunning, um, and it, it is very surreal the way the camera enters the stage and becomes the ballet becomes a reality, yeah. um, and it's beautiful. It's very well done. It's hard for us to—I didn't spend a lot of time reading about that one afterwards because I was just happy that it was over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's. I did read Ebert's review, and it was like, it was like it was a different movie that we, he had reviewed. But it's difficult for us to to account for what were the breakthroughs in cinematography or what were the breakthroughs in filmmaking. We just right. consume these through a very modern lens, and either it connects with us emotionally or it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's all we can do. Right? <laughs> uh, next was Road to Perdition, a movie we both felt like revisiting. Uh, it's a 1910, 1920s uh, crime movie starring Tom Hanks. And um, I think this will be the last time I watch the movie. There are three amazing scenes and then a bunch of Oscar bait filler long shots of great actors thinking about stuff. Fair enough. Um, I saw it in, in theaters when it first came out, but I hadn't seen it since then. And uh, watching it again... I, I really liked it, and um, I know it dragged for you, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I was never bored watching it. Um, but it does have that sort of uh, Oscar bait feel of of a lot of uh, l like mid to late 90s and early 2000s yeah. films, like um, the Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile and all that. That sort of very similar vibe, if you know I what I mean. I think it's the movie Sam Raimi made after American Beauty. If I, oh, wow. Or not Sam Raimi. Um, Sam... Okay. The director of American Beauty, uh, who just yeah. directed 1917. Ah, um, uh, um, isn't that... Um, Sam Mendes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just okay. Um, after that, we went I, to... I really liked it. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh. I don't want to talk about it, but you can. I, I love this movie so, so much. Look, it's, it's terrible. It's a... It's a 1978 spoof of, of the classic uh, B-movie horrors. It's, it's silly and stupid and it's dumb and that's exactly what it's meant to be. And I laughed like, like a maniac throughout the entire thing and Ian sat there kind of mi miserable and couldn't wait for it to I, I, be over, which is okay. I do not have the bad movie gene. I wish that I did. Um, Why would anyone on earth not want to have more fun? <laughs> 
If there's yeah. some way you could have more fun. Yeah. But I don't but have in it. its But in its defense, there were a couple of scenes where I was laughing with the movie and not at it. But there was a lot of laughing at it as as well. Um, I I love it. Um, oh. If you haven't heard it, check, check out the theme song. Just search uh, on YouTube, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes theme. And it's, it's oh, I love it. Listen, <laughs> and tweet it at our friend Lonnie at yes. Chipperish Media. <laughs> Definitely do. She'll love it. She'll absolutely yes. love it. Yes, she may even follow you. Uh, next was Citizen Kane. Uh, yep. I I went in it wanting to love it. Oh, well, I, mean, I always want to love it. Yeah, of course. I, of course. I, um, I, I hate a massacre. I always want... I'm mm. always looking... Even when we were watching The Red Shoes, like I was the last mm. one to be like, okay, yeah, this is not... <laughs> you yeah, know? you were pretty hopeful I, I was all trying that. Yeah. so hard... Yeah. Um, um, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes lost me immediately, but um, yeah. yeah, Citizen Kane's a big one. I guess um, I will say that I thought that I would would love it. I really did. Um, but it just by the end, it it just feels like it's lacking something. Um, I wanted to feel more <laughs> than I actually felt. Is, I mean, is how I would summarize it. The way that I described the movie up front was it's a prequel. To a Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now think about that. Think of how boring and <laughs> not very fun <laughs> that movie would be. Um, yeah. All of the reasons why it's famous, the cinematography, the inventions in uh, yeah. filmmaking and all that stand out. The movie is yeah. visually fascinating. It looks like a graphic novel yeah. to me, where frames yeah. are painted and drawn, and it's a beautiful film. Yeah. And I did not care. Yeah, um, I think it definitely deserves its place in cinema history, sure. sure. But uh, yeah, it, it 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 just felt like it it was lacking some something. But in research, I found that uh, Orson Welles was only twenty five years old when he he made it, and I thought that that was pretty cool. I think he did pretty well for a twenty five year old director. Um, well, yeah, that's ridiculous. As a forty year old looking at that movie, I'm like, eh. <laughs> uh next up was star trek the motion picture <sighs> all 10 star trek all 10 og star trek movies are on our list i think we had star trek 5 which yeah, we did is five. the only one that might be worse than the motion picture <laughs> oh really i didn't know that okay yeah we don't need to talk about star trek 5 star trek 5 actually has jokes uh okay so, Star Trek The Motion Picture is a really good 45-minute episode of the original series stretched across two hours. Yep, two very long hours. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. All I, could, all I really want to say about it is that it was trying to be 2001 A Space Odyssey. Heavily and influenced by 2001. It, like... There's there's a uh, one scene in in the beginning where the the camera just pans around the Enterprise and it goes for like it felt like ten minutes. It yeah, was, uh, Scotty it and was... Kirk are flying in a shuttlecraft around the Enterprise and it goes yeah. on. And the movie is just... up its butt over with its special effects. Yeah. And I am I... a Star Trek fan. 
Yeah, fanatic even. You you can love it. I can quote The Voyage Home and The Undiscovered Country probably start to finish, but good Lord. Uh, Oh, and this is the first time I'd seen the motion picture. Uh, I've seen every Star Trek movie, including Nemesis, more than once, which is uh, agony. And this one was brutal. But um, the only, I guess, slightly positive thing I'll say about it is that I think... It had some good ideas that sure. were e- executed very, very poorly. It had four, very yeah, poorly. 45 minutes of ideas stretched out into what felt like five hours, but it was I don't yeah. know what the actual runtime of the movie was. Next was the worst movie that we've watched in the group. <sighs> the 2001 Jack Nicholson movie directed by Sean Penn, The Pledge. <sighs> I... I... I hated it. Um, Jack Nicholson is a police chief for ch- retiring, but there's one case uh, about uh, little girls being murdered that he can't let go of. And that's the setup for the story. Sounds like an interesting crime movie. I don't dislike Jack Nicholson. And we, wa- we watched it with some friends. And we were all instantly hating it. Yeah, um, it might be the worst editing i've seen in any film the editing was horrible and the cross dissolves the freaking cross <laughs> dissolves there was the only reason i would watch this film again is to go back and count how many cross dissolves were, were in it there was one se- sequence that wouldn't have been any more than 30 seconds where there was three cross dissolves. well it was it wasn't one sequence it was one shot it oh, was yeah, one yeah, right. shot that cross dissolved into itself three or four times yeah. And uh, whenever you start with Final Cut Pro or uh, Adobe Premiere, or when you start with Photoshop, the filters in Photoshop, you you learn quickly to use sparingly. A cross-dissolve in a film needs to be motivated. Generally, that motivation is time-passing. Yeah, that's pretty much one of the first things you taught me about editing is uh, cross-dissolves are more or less a no-no most of the uh, time. There's there's certain situations where they're okay, but they're very few and far uh, between. And just watching it, we couldn't figure out... I mean, okay, but if you're going to break the rule, then why? Yeah. And that was the thing that was missing was there's slow motion at random. Yeah, Uh, random. Yeah. uh, Random. Jack Nicholson was dull, and there were graphic shots of murdered little girls that, to me, needed to be to have a payoff. Like, what is the payoff? You've got there's got to be a reason you're showing us this. There's got to be a reason you're doing this to the audience. And the way the movie ends does not justify did not it, justify the use of to me graphic murdered children. It's another one that had me yelling at this the screen quite li- literally. Um, yeah, the payoff they tried to to do a payoff, but it's one of the most unsatisfying and maddening things you'll you'll ever see. Yeah. Just- uh, last two, they kind of go together. We watched uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, the nineteen eighty version, and a couple of days later watched Doctor Sleep, uh, the twenty nineteen director's cut version. I mentioned that um, three movies that are my three favorite movies that I've watched in the last decade, those are Into the Spider-Verse, Arrival, and Doctor Sleep. One of my favorite, most creative, most interesting films I've watched in the last ten years. Um, 
What did you think of the two of them? Um, so The Shining, I had seen quite a few uh, times as as a kid, but before we watched it the other the other day, I hadn't seen it in probably twenty five years or something, and um, I enjoyed it for for the most part, but it it is quite slow. Um, it's not necessarily it's not that it's not entertaining. It it just drag drags a bit. Um. I love and respect, um, as a horror fan, what it's done for the genre, and and it's a very sem- seminal piece for the uh, genre. And Doctor Sleep, honestly, I think might be one of my favorite movies of of all time. That blew me away. It was just uh, creative, um, just consistently surprising. Yeah, and we talked about how it wasn't just a horror film, and and that's what what made it so so good. Um, there was yeah, I'm not a big, I'm not a horror guy. My interest in horror is when it crosses over into other genres, so horror fantasy, horror sci-fi. You've got Alien. Um, I mean, The Shining is a, an example of that. If you think of it as a uh. A relatively straightforward B-movie haunted house story as done by one of the most artistically significant directors in the history of American movies. Sure. Um, that's interesting. I, you know, that doesn't make me love the movie, but that, but that um, it is a haunted house movie. That's yeah. that's what it is. They're in a hotel. The the ghosts drive one of them insane. It's an incredibly simple plot, and in contrast to that, Doctor Sleep uh, takes little bits of The Shining that people probably forget exist, and that is that Danny has magic powers. But it's because Kubrick treats them so ambiguously in The Shining that you're not sure actually what you're watching all the time. And Dr. Sleep literalizes those abilities and then builds an entire world about magic around Danny. As an adult played by the hot snack Ewan McGregor, uh, who is dealing with an alcohol problem that comes on because of uh, what he suffered from and because he has the ability to see dead people. Imagine the Sixth Sense kid without having gotten counseling as an adult. That would be a terrifying, miserable ability um to have and it sort of revisits kubrick's movie but it does it in a very elegant uh wonderful way it puts the focus on takes the focus off of jack nicholson which i think is actually a problem with the shining um uh and puts it on the other characters around him and there are several moments in dr sleep where i choke up and want to cry Certainly, yeah. Um, as as I said, it's a it's a horror film, but there there's more to it than uh, that. And yeah, there's uh one scene uh with uh where uh Dan- Danny is speaking to to an old old man. I'm not going to tell you much beyond that. Um, it literally made made me te- tear up. It's, it's it's yeah. The the whole film is just scary but beautiful yeah. and touching, and and there's some really like art- artistic shots in, in in there too. I I. It on honestly, I think it might might be somewhere in my top top twenty uh, greatest films of, of all time. Loved it. I mean, I, I, kind of where we started out. Uh, we, we started with a horror movie, and we're ending with a horror movie. And we started with uh, a horror fantasy in *Brightburn*. And the, my complaint about that movie was there are never any moments where you feel like Dark Superman is going to turn out differently than he did, mm-hmm. and uh, there are no decisions. 
you know. And it also, um, it didn't really make you care about a- any of the uh, characters or what what was go- going on. Yeah. In 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 attempted to make you kind of feel for the little boy in a way, but then mostly they, it's told destroyed. through the mother's perspective. But she makes a couple of decisions that are so frustrating. Um, but Dr. Sleep has many decisions over the course of it. Decisions of, should I do this? Should I do that? Do I drink again? Do I not drink again? Do I quit? Um, do I leave these people here? Do I save them? Do I, you know, over and over. And Danny does not always make the right decision, but the you see him fighting with the, himself over the decisions and you see the consequences of the decisions, and then those consequences affect his character. There's a character arc. You know, Freddy Krueger doesn't have a character arc. Danny has an arc, and it has one of the most... The um, uh, Rose the Hat is one of my favorite villains. Uh, She's incredible. Uh, The performance from... um, I I looked her her up, but sorry, I can't remember her her name. Um, She she was a Swedish uh, actress, which is... incredible yeah amazing actress um we we watched the director's cut version um i looked up what scenes are cut from the director's cut version in the theatrical version and it's many of my favorite scenes in the movie so if you're gonna watch it i highly recommend the director's cut um and just going back to what you said about uh the the whole uh haunted house thing Funnily enough, uh, Doctor Sleep was directed by uh, Mike Flanagan, who also did uh, the the Haunting of Hill uh, House on Netflix. And as soon as I, I found that out, I was like, "Oh yeah," because um, the the uh, horror aesthetic, like the special effects and the make- makeup and everything, were very reminiscent of uh, Haunting of Hill, Hill House. And we, um, as we were watching, and a friend who was. Um, struggling with it uh, we said uh, I said you know what it's really more like a season of a show than it is a movie Um, it does break things into chapters and if you think of those chapters as episodes with their own arcs and their own focus and all of that then I think the movie is comes together if you watch it I mean The Shining is a very singular focus and Dr. Sleep has multiple stories of characters and camps and and all of that um i didn't have a problem with it but uh our friend our friend did and once we kind of talked about no it's a it's like a season of the show they went oh oh that makes so much more sense um i i personally think that if it was say a 12 episode seasons and of the show it could have been better in a way because you could have explored uh characters a bit better and relationships and do all those things that uh a tv show can do and uh yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not I, a perfect i guess film. a movie has to ru- rush through no no, no it's not perfect, but it's perfect. so creative it's, I mean, I'd say it's close to to perfect though for, for me. I'd give it like a nine out of the ten. Like it's very, very good, very good. Sorry, my steam just went off. I'm going to quit that real quick. Um, Jack, you want to take us to our last? Oh, by the way, uh, sorry if that got super long and listy. I mean, there were a lot of things to cover there, and I um I tried to accelerate a little bit, but I just figured now that we have you here. You know, and uh, and I mean we're film nerds, so of course if if we get to talking about film, we're gonna talk. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so to finish thing, things up, um, I thought it'd be good to talk a little bit about fear and uh, more, more specifically the management of, of uh, fear because uh, so uh, part of this whole thing, like Ian and I have been uh, talking for the last couple of weeks about bringing me in as um, a co-host from the po podcast now. And uh, he said to me uh, yesterday, uh, he said, Okay, so last seg segment, it's yours. We can do whatever the hell you you want. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. And so I'm trying to think of ideas and whatnot, but I was sort of o overwhelmed. With I mean, I, I was throwing ideas at you, you know, top five sexual positions. <laughs> uh, yeah. Top three uh, kisses was... in a movie. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> and, I may Everything be a little I preoccupied think... by a particular topic. Go. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, I was trying to think of something and I wasn't sure how to like lead into things and segue and just, I was over overwhelmed with, I guess, nerves, not, not just for coming up with the segment, but just doing this. Like I was, I was terrified. Like, uh, but while, while we were setting this up, Ian, I'm just like, Ian, I'm scared. Help me. <laughs> I know. And um, I get into this mode when it, before I start something where I'm just focused on, okay, we need to do this. We need to set this yeah. up. We need to set this, this up. But I knew as soon as we started recording, I'd be like, oh, this is Jack. And that's what we uh, did. We hit rec record and talked for a few minutes, and then boom, we started. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I'm I, I'm feeling a lot better now. But yeah, yesterday I was very sort of consumed by my fear and whatnot, and I couldn't think of anything else. And then I I had the idea. Oh, fear. That's that's perfect. It's it's relevant. And um, yeah, I don't know. Considering the state of the world, I think a lot of pe people um, are dealing with it in, in, in one way or another. Um, so your idea was um, we each, uh, we can go back and forth, but we, you're talking about we each um, talk about two instances where we were dealing with stress, anxiety, or fear, and the way we managed it or dealt with it in that moment. Certainly, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah. like it. Um, yeah, um, so, so I... I, I guess I'll start. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, with COVID going on, like, a lot of people are, uh, are afraid whether or not it's, uh, uh, you know, fear of get, getting sick, fear of losing your uh, job and economic stress and all of that. It's a it's a scary time. And um, a couple of months ago, um, I, I was dealing with that very uh, se severely. Um I won't go into uh, too, too too much because we'll be here all uh, night. Well, but, you're uh, you're in the high risk demo. Yes, right? yes, I am. We can get I into that later on if you want, but it's up yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah, um, we can talk about that on yeah. on another po podcast. Um, but yeah, I I have a lot of health health issues that make me uh, high high risk. So if I got COVID nineteen, I'd probably probably have a very rough time of, of it. And so. Huh, a couple of months ago, I'm sitting here in my my apartment and I start getting a scratchy throat and I'm like, oh no, oh shit. And then I'm like, D didn't they say on the news that one of the first symptoms is a sore, scratchy throat? Actually, Jack, and, uh, um, let's, let's give a little context. Um, uh, how high risk are you? I mean, when, when we talk about things you've dealt with health-wise or... Um, surgery wise or any of those things can you kind of give like broad a broad context for that 
Okay, well, um, I was born with spina bifida, and long story short, because of that, um, it's led into uh, I had kidney disease as well as uh, high high blood pressure, which is associated with that, and those are two of the high risk uh, uh, factors. And so, um, I mean. I don't want to say if I got COVID, I would die, but there's a very good chance that I would. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it wasn't necessarily a case of hy- hypochondria or anything like that. I think I had. No, a that's why I wanted to, to give context. I yeah. Thought. Yeah. That, this yeah. was not a this was not a nothing burger. This was. Yeah. Yeah. It was very le- legit. And um and stupidly, um, there was that uh, there, w- there was that thing cir- circulating on social media at the uh, time that uh, uh, COVID nineteen hates heat. So if you start getting getting a sore throat, guzzle bu- uh, bu- a bunch of hot, hot water. Which dead disclaimer is absolute non- non- yeah. nonsense. So don't do that. Do not don't bother. But I did did that. And let me tell you. Hot water is very hard to, to stomach. I literally started throwing up and yeah, it wasn't nice. Anyway, so I proceeded to pace around my uh, my apartment for about 40, 45 minutes and freaked out and was hi- hyperventilating and all of those things. And then, Ian, I called you, my, my dear friend, and uh, we sat in a Skype call for a couple of hours and we talked about uh, sort of life and death and the nature of it all yeah there was a um as your friend coming into the call there were a a there were stages to the conversation um the first one was uh i could tell we couldn't actually like get into the the meat and bones of what was bothering you uh because you were a ball of fear uh, at the time, and and you you knew immediately there there was some something yeah. up because uh, yeah. So the first thing to do was to sort of talk you down, deep breaths. Oh, we did a meditation technique. That was the thing we yeah, did. Yeah, we did actually. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we yeah, fired we up the Headspace app. We listened to the Headspace for a little bit. But in the back of my mind, I was just kind of thinking about has he never, uh, you know, you. Uh, I think given what you've been through, you've. Uh, it requires a will to fight, um, uh, bravery and courage, and a will to fight, right? Um, and I think that that what I saw was you were reacting to this fear with that. You were trying to counter this fear with that, but you 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 will to fight doesn't really apply to a virus is the problem, and so it wasn't really working during the conversation and so we sort of once you we you know we you were in a calm place and we were just kind of talking i sort of like touched on the idea of i mean it's me so choice right so it's not just the virus and i talked about mortality on the podcast uh, a couple weeks ago and just some thoughts i had on mortality and all of that it's not just the virus it's anything i could go out and get hit by a bus um i could get a blood clot uh, that that goes to my brain or you know um i've had skin cancer twice i mean there are because there's there's one thing that's in the current 
conversation about mortality or health or whatever it doesn't mean that any of those other things couldn't have already happened or couldn't be true but how do i want so the, so at some point the ending comes and the thing i kept thinking about with you was we we don't get a choice all the time of that but we get a choice we sometimes get a choice and want to use it if it's there for uh, how we end we you you have a choice you don't have a good choice but you have a choice <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> but i mean yeah, sorry, like go on you know if you're gonna go this is a, this was a tough uh conversation to get into uh, especially w- w- when i arrived in the call but if you're gonna go how do you want the ending to come with um if you get that choice and we don't all get that choice but if you get that choice is it terrified and and in in fear or am i reflecting on the things that i'm grateful for and just trying to make peace you know or uh whatever you know like and and when we were talking i just didn't want you to be sort of driven purely on impulse with what you were dealing with in the moment, but to just kind of think Which about I've, that. I've, I very much was. I was on autopilot and, and reactionary and, and all of those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which, I mean, of course, of course. By the way, mm. uh, for anyone listening, if you've dealt with any of these things or any of that, just so you know, no freaking judgment. No. Of course Yeah, not. like everyone's on their Absolutely. own journey. Everyone has their own uh, cocktail of... Yeah things to deal with and and circumstances um we're just talking about this one conversation that you and i had yeah even um one of the things we spoke about in in that conversation was that my fear wasn't unwarranted it's very normal in a global pandemic like it's very understandable very yeah i guess the uh, trick is not letting that that fear drag your way into a dark dungeon of of your own mind or something yeah and i'm Um, also i'm also not saying exactly i'm not saying don't fight or i'm not saying don't do the wise things i'm not saying give up or any of that i'm just saying like I'm not sure that, the, or at least it wasn't working for you in that moment where mm-hmm. trying to counter your own anxiety with the will to fight was really doing anything. If anything, I like I, I felt like it was winding you up more. Yeah, I mean, because I, I, I was fighting in my head, but there was really nothing to fight because... Like whether whether I had COVID or or not, I couldn't do anything about it in that mo- moment. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the the thing I took away from, from that conversation was just as you said, um, none of us really know how, how much time we are, have left, and whether I get hit by a by a bus tomorrow and, and die, or if I die when I'm eighty, surrounded by my friends and family and chubby little grand grandchildren. Um, I, I don't want to spend my life being afraid of that eventuality, you know, no, um, I think the antidote, uh, to that really was just to, to live, um, and to be present and to like, like deal with what is happening rather than what could happen. And and the thing was like, again, no judgment, no negativity, no, we're not suggesting anyone. Fear is not a choice. No, uh, that would be nonsense to say. Um, uh, 
But the you know sort of what you do and the moments after and the perspective that's generating the fear and all of that can be interacted with, mm-hmm. and other things can be considered. You can turn the prism, um, yep. uh, and and get to a different space. And if you have that, mm-hmm. if you realize that there's that freedom, and you have that freedom to, you start working on the muscle and allowing yourself to to alter your perspective in a particular moment then you kind of free yourself up and like if you and and it's so miserable that if you have that ability why would you not take advantage of it right yeah you know and um not because you should but because you would want to right right Yeah. yeah yeah and um if you are struggling with fear surrounding your own uh mortality I would highly recommend watching uh, the the Good Place. That show is good for the soul, and and because um, uh, that that was the conversation we had that led me into watching. No, 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 no. We 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 had finished the the Good Place by by then, and we talked talk, talked about it. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, that show talk, talks a lot about uh, mortality and 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 all of those things and yeah i don't, I don't want to spoil it but yeah definitely yeah. watch that if, if you're struggling so you kind of led with you know my story sounds a little weird now uh <laughs> but we're just talking about instances of fear so it's all relative uh, man it's all relative <laughs> going from fear of dying of covid to a date that i went on <laughs> um so yeah, I think I've actually told this story on the podcast, but it's relative. It's relevant to um, this particular situation. I have a weird um, switch in my head, and I think it comes from my theater background. Um, you know, I started doing theater a little bit in elementary school, and then junior high school, and then I did theater in high school, and. It's a bizarre thing in a bubble, if you consider it. Um, uh, memorizing things that someone else wrote and then stepping on stage in front of people and pretending to be someone you aren't, right? And the So that is a weird mechanical kind of process. Uh, but what I would always note is that in the time before stepping on stage, you get the worst, I get the worst stage fright, cold sweats, um, you know, hands shaking, uh, terror. And then you step on stage and you just, that character kind of reveals itself. You're not a good performance. You find emotional connections to, uh, the performance that you're making. Yes. Even the phone sex pervert, which was one of my performances, uh, oh, one of the characters I played on screen at one point, but not all the time. I'm just saying like, like you look for those connections and a, a switch flips and you're trying to embody that person and that character. And even if you fall down or forget a line, what would the person in that, those circumstances say if they didn't remember the thing they were going to say in that moment, you know, and you sort of like, it's a weird thing. It's a very weird thing. So cut to, I think it was 2013. I'm living in San Francisco. I've been single for two years after being uh, with a person and engaged for seven. And I'm just starting to do the OkCupid thing and to send messages and to do all of this. 
And I mess- I've messaged this woman once or twice, and I get a message from her saying, hey, I'm at a burger place um, uh, on this street. Do you want to meet up? And I went, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll be, I'll be right there. And then with hands free, so what happens is my fingers get cold, and my hands start sweating. So with like sweaty, cold, clammy hands, I put on my riding jacket, and and I'm just like, and I'm hyperventilating, and I almost crashed my motorcycle twice on the way over to the burger place, and I get it parked, and I get off the bike, and I'm just, it's the worst stage fright I've ever had, and I, I, I just think I cannot... I cannot go in there like this. I, what? Uh, I, I, I either have to call and cancel or I have to deal with this right now. And I happened to look in the window of the front of the restaurant and I saw her sitting in a booth. And seeing her made me think, what if she's as terrified as I am? Who would I have to be to put her completely at ease. And all of a sudden, all of my anxiety and fear just dissipated. It was like a breeze blew them out of me. And I just thought, okay, let's ask questions and let's listen to her and let's uh, go in there and just have a conversation. And I went in and we had a great time. But it was like a switch flipped in my head. And that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the the... Um, fear is not a choice, but your perspective is. The perspective that you're indulging in the moment. And the perspective I was indulging was catastrophizing who, like, this is, I'm going to fuck this up. Pardon me, I'm in a cursy mood uh, today. Uh, This is going to be messy and terrible. Uh, She's going to find out I'm a, a, a fraud. You know, the Wesley thing. And looking through the window and seeing another human being sitting there Alt is like my perspective, the prism turned. And I just thought about her and what she was looking for and how I could make her laugh and a story I could tell and smiling at her and maintaining eye contact and all that and how that exuding warmth to make her as comfortable as possible. And it worked. The All that, all the voices, all that nonsense was still somewhere in me. I just got out of one bubble and into another. And the other bubble uh, was far healthier and more productive. And our second date was terrible. But that date was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, you told me that story a while ago when, when I was dealing with something similar. And, and, and it hel- helped a lot. It really flipped the situation in my head for, for me. And yeah, yeah, I think that's a wonderful yeah. way to approach something like lying that because I mean, ch- chances are she was just as ner- nervous as yeah. you were, right? I mean, even so. if she wasn't, it still got me to a better place. This is the thing I said in the guys will be guys video. Um, we all torture ourselves because of, uh, Memories that we believe tell our, ourselves something awful about ourselves. But while the memories may be true, the interpretations are not. There's no truth in the interpretation. There's just what you believe and, and what you choose to do after. Um, contrary to what you might have thought, I actually believe the things that I write and put in the episode guides. <laughs> and uh, um, and yeah, that, that was one particular instance where... Um, 
it really helped. The other uh, place where that comes up a lot is getting on stage. I mean, we talked about that comes from a theater background. But uh, when I speak at Comic-Cons, I, I just get terrified before I go up on stage. I hate it. I hate it. But as soon as I start talking, and as soon as I look at people's faces, and as soon as I make eye contact, I'm suddenly thinking about them. And what can I do to make them feel welcome and interested and you know it's like you just try it sounds cheesy but you just try and exude love and kindness from the stage because that's that that's what you feel like those people may need uh from you as a speaker in that moment um and it works that switch flips and suddenly i can just talk and be comfortable and you know yeah I tell you all the time that you're a natural showman and it really comes across when you're on stage and doing those kinds of things. You're just, you're just really, really good, good at it. And and you do it like exude all of those things that you were talking about. So well done. So well done. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Did you have another one Um, you want to throw out? Yeah. So another, um, aspect of my life when, when it comes to confronting fear and uh, managing it is, um, so as I said uh, before, I was born with uh, spina bifida, and we'll go into that uh, and another time, like what that is and whatnot. I'm sure, but um, as a result of that, I've had a lot of sur- surgery. Like from the moment I was born, I had a 16-hour uh, operation just to uh, stop me from from dying, essentially. Um, and you know, surgery is something that never gets. easier i find it terrifying every single time um and a part of that is you know when you go under a general anesthetic there is always a chance you're not gonna wake wake up it's slim especially if you're only going for something minor like most people don't die if you die like during surgery it's typically not not the anesthetic it's because some other complications so especially if you're going in for for something minor your chances of dying are are very very slim but it's always in the back of my uh, mind and you know when 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 i was a kid i didn't have have a choice in the matter you you know my mother signs the uh consent form and and even if i'm kicking and screaming i'm going in and i'm getting it done it's just your kid you have to do as you're told essentially but then as i became an adult and you know the surgeries can continued i was at a point where it was completely up to me and at any moment i could walk out i i've, I've even been in um there's a room uh outside of the the, the operating theater they, they call the anesthetic bay and it's where they sort of prep you to to be knocked knocked out and even in, in in that room, I I told the doctor how scared I was and how, how I didn't want to do it. And he's like, you know, you can still walk walk out of here if you want to. And I'm like, well, no, I I, I mean, yes, I can, but I really can't because every surgery that I have had has been necessary. It's whether it's been to, um, like I I've, I've had kidney stones many many times and giant kidney stones that I can't can't pass. So they have to be surgically removed. And so what I'm trying to say is a roundabout way of saying is just that um, part of the way I deal with that fear is just knowing that it's it's, it's for the great and the good. And without uh, with, without it, I'm either going to get sick or just have a really rough time with things, you know? Um, so you're saying that, that 
in the face of something that looks terrifying, you mm-hmm. place it in a larger context in your head. So, exactly. so it's sort of like this is this is suffering, or there's there's a chance of of this, but it's momentary compared to the opportunity to to live longer, exactly, and to be healthier yeah. for a longer period of time. Yeah, and and I more or less just just tell tell myself that even even though now as an adult I signed the consent form and I I submit myself to it, I don't really have a choice. Like I do, but I don't because. It, it has to be done, yeah. you know, and and so um, and so every time I go in, I, I do sort of prepare myself for the possibility that I'm, I might die. And, you know, the moment I wake up, I'm like, oh, thank God. Like, I mean, I feel like I've been hit by it by a freight train. Um, if you've ever w- woken up from a general anesthetic, it's it's a it's um, a very un- un- uncomfortable experience. Yeah. Um, dizziness and yeah, no, your mouth really, really dry. But there, there's this always this 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 feeling of oh, sweet, I didn't die this time. Cool. Sweet ass, cool, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I also just want to say um, for anyone, if, if you're about to have surgery or whatever, don't 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 take take me as an example. Like chances are, you are gonna be absolutely fine. I'm just a bit of a scare. <laughs> Well, that's that's all we're talking Um, about. Yeah. Um, You got something else? Yeah, I had a recent one. Um, This just popped into my head well when you brought up this idea. I was just trying to think of recent... You know, I've I've been dealing with a lot of recent instances of fear that I'm not going to talk about uh, around something else. But... um, you know, uh, I would say in the last seven years, I've gone through so much change and growth compared to any other period of my life, save for maybe learning the English language and, uh, you know, like w- w- how to walk. That was a just pretty... Just in the time... Yeah. Just in the time I, I've known you, I've seen you come such, such a long way. And one of the one of the... What when you go through period, periods like that, I think that that sometimes relationships lag behind, family relationships, friend re- relationships. I tend to mate for life. Uh, I hope you realize, Jack, that you and I are going to be sixty-year-old men uh, well, talking about these things. I look forward to <laughs> it, man. Um, uh, I got myself in into this mess, and I I am resigned to, to my fate. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the um, the thing is, though, the ways of even if you you're going through a whole bunch of change, ways of being in particular relationships don't always come along because they're not going through the same thing that you are, and so um, I found myself pissing off someone close to me uh, at, at a point, and I hate confrontation uh, it fills me with dread and terror clammy hands uh you know and the, we talked about earlier that that sort of abandonment and appeasement or uh descent into narcissism possibility where i sort of swirl around uh in those spaces and think i'm doing the right thing and then make them more upset and then try and fix it and make them more upset and so forth 
and the their anger fills me with um sort of fear and and resistance and all of that and i was talking with my dad about this um saying like i need to figure this out because the way that i'm reacting makes me miserable and is actually making this situation worse and um you know, this person and I have known each other for a long time. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of uh, uh, there's a lot of behavior patterns that have been around since we were young, right? And ones that don't serve either of us. But I, but the thing that was was getting me was like I was spiraling, where one interaction and I would be arguing or talking with them in my head. You ever have that? That that. A disagreement with a person, oh, yeah. you're just like just saying all the other things you could have said, or truth. Yeah. Like, what if I had said this? Yeah. Would it have fixed yeah. the situation? Years later, too. Years and years later, I've I've won so many arguments in my yeah. uh, head. <laughs> and I mean, so that that kind of growth or that confidence that I've gained over the past few years doesn't always permeate into relationships where there are old or sort of unhealthy ways of that we might have of interacting with each other. And uh, I said, I'm just like, it just makes me, it's making me nervous and I'm stressed out and whatever. And my dad said, they're not a bear. There's nothing to be afraid of. And putting things in that context of actual life and death and actual fear and actual, you know, I'm not one for comparing fears or comparing uh, suffering between people or relationships or any of that. But just for me personally, in that moment, talking about like, you're, you're going to be okay. You know, like uh, it, it was what I needed to hear in that moment uh, to go, oh, oh, this is all just fear. This isn't me sort of trying to find a healthy way of communicating or or a good place for us both or minimizing damage. This is that fear response that we started out by talking about originally existed to keep us from being eaten by bears or to stick our hand in the fire, but now overreacts and runs hot uh, all the time and just... It was it was the right words at the right time where I went, oh, everything's fine. Yeah, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. We'll resolve this. Um, everything's fine. And 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 someone being mad at me, not the worst thing right now. It's okay. Right. Like as exactly. long as we're both yeah. healthy and taking care of ourselves or whatever mm. whatever it may be, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. Um, so it was perspective. Again, I think most of these get back to perspective right. shifts. Certainly, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like um, the whole thing about, um, well, like the the modern world, right? Um, we do have these uh, evolutionary traits about fear, and you know, you said we don't have to run run away from, from bears or di- dinosaurs anymore or whatever. And um, I, I I think a huge part of why we we struggle with fear in the modern world is big because. A lot of the things that we're 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 afraid of aren't super obvious. We don't see lions chasing yeah. us, and, and well, life and, and is vol- we're so comfortable yep. and safe. Exactly, and and that's why I think um pa- panic di- disorders exist and all yeah. of those those uh, things because it's like 
Yeah, I don't know. And and I suppose a part of it too is we're we're always more afraid of things that we can't see or the things that we we don't uh, we, we don't un- understand. You know, like the the monster in the uh, d- darkness that we can't see and all yeah. those kind kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. which is funny because, well, anyway. Um, yeah. So if you're listening and have dealt with a scary or panic situation and found a way through it and want to share. Mm. Leave, yeah. a, leave a comment down below. Yeah, by all means. Um, we'll be uh, we'll uh, both be check, checking out the uh, co- comments and trying to respond and whatnot. Yes, and you'll give us things to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yes. If, if you, you would like us to cover anything, please let our, us yeah, know. Re- respond in a tweet. Ask questions, please. Interact. Yeah, certainly. You know, certainly. Uh, uh, doing this on my own uh, was tough. Jack's here. That's going to help a lot, but... Um, if you enjoy listening to us talk and want us to talk about something in particular, including top five favorite sexual positions, nothing is off the table. Are we really saying that is nothing off the table, Jack? Yeah, well, I, you you just said it, so I guess we are. <laughs> All right, this week, um, I'm working on the script for Fool for Love. I've done a couple run-throughs of it now, and I'm trying to center in on my approach to the episode. I actually think this morning I uh, figured out my approach. It's an interesting episode to talk about. It's an episode seven, so there are tons and tons of things. I actually am not going to be able to do it complete justice until we get to the gift, because I write spoiler-free, but there's a ton of stuff about Spike and some things I've been going through recently that made me think about uh, the story of the episode and start thinking about things like love and intimacy and relationships and all of that that I think uh, I can find an essay that I find interesting uh, in there someplace. Which is, for me, um, the thing I'm normally shooting for. Uh, and then I just hope that everyone else enjoys it the same. Um, I still have the commentary. I don't know what my note me- meant here. Still have the commentary <laughs> me track. Me neither, actually. I was looking at it going, what co- commentary track? <laughs> oh, so uh, my friend Lonnie and I recorded a commentary track to Passengers. And uh, we need to get that edited and put up. That was a very interesting discussion on a very uh, broken in an interesting way that I love uh, uh, movie. Problematic is perhaps overused, um, but it's not even that. I don't. I'm not. It, it is problematic, but I don't actually think that's its biggest issue. But anyway, um, I need to get that edited and out to you guys. And I'm still working on the novel. So uh, I've been cribbing on Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet is five acts. And then um, with the scenes laid out within the acts, I finished act one and started on act two uh, in the book. So I've got about 12,000 words written. There's definitely an ebb and a flow. Sometimes it's very difficult to sit down and I do about an hour a day. Um and I'm trying to get an exercise groove going, uh, which for me, since it's in the high 90s outside right now, means um, <laughs> VR. <laughs> amen, yeah. brother. Amen. What about you, Jack? What are you up to this week? Uh, well, I'm editing a bunch of uh, Patreon readings. Um, some, uh, I think four or five are ready to go right right now. So if you're a patron, uh, keep an eye out for those. Um 
Uh, right now, I'm I'm working on a a reading of uh, from the Myth of Sisyphus by uh, Albert Camus, which I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with. I'm super excited for that one. And yeah, um, once we've uh, caught up and got everything de delivered, we'll also be re reaching out again uh, to pay patrons for the next round. So yeah, keep keep an eye out for for that and uh, have have a th think about what you would like to hear our sol our sultry voiced uh, friend here uh, reading. And yeah, on a personal front, I'm also um, focusing on diet, diet and, and exercise. Um, I won't go go into it too too much now. Maybe another time. But I was recently uh, diagnosed with type two di diabetes, which is just another item on the cavalcade of uh, health issues for me. But um, that's been a lot of work and very con confronting and whatnot. But I'm I'm doing bad now, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm de de dealing. But that's yeah, some something that's um, yeah, it's a heavy fo focus right right now as well. Um, You've been yeah, doing amazing with it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It's actually funny because um, I've been eating better food now than I was yeah. beforehand. And part of the whole thing to me was, oh, like my, my life is over. I'll never be able to eat good, good food again. I and, remember we and, talked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> we talked a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And another ledge that you talked me down off of. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Good deal. Um, okay. Well, before we get to the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know that I'm at Ian Nitram. That's my first name and last name spelled backwards on Twitter. And it's youtube.com slash passion of the nerd. Jack, where can the people hear more from you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at lack of surprise one. That's all one word with a number one at the end. Uh, you can also find me in the Passion of the Nerd Discord server. I'm Jack Spraddington on, on there. Uh, and you can also join us in the Passionate Nerds uh, Facebook group. Uh, we've got a nice, uh, friendly little uh, community there. So yeah, um, come and say uh, hi. This community and, is also yeah. super kind. Um, if you'd like to support the channel and keep Jack and me flush with Diet Sprite and Dollar Redoos, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. With $5 and up club, you can join us uh, in the Hangouts uh, in two weeks, where we're going to talk about Blind, the Angel episode Blind Date. We're wrapping up uh, uh, Buffy Season 4, Angel Season 1 in the discussion. Those have been great. Or you can also support us by grabbing yourself something from the passionofthenerd.com forward slash store. Uh, shirts, mugs, uh, phone cases, I think we uh, have. There's a bunch of great, great, great stuff there if you'd like to uh, get, get yourself some merch. And if you're an it, well, yeah, we need to work on that merch store too. We need more stuff. Yeah. Anyone who's a designer, an artist, and wants to donate to the channel but doesn't have money and but doesn't care about a drawing. <laughs> please uh, thepassionofthenerd at gmail.com if you want to help us out I would be eternally yep. grateful hit us up that would be wonderful um, if you're an Amazon Prime member you may not realize this but you can support us for free by using your monthly Amazon Prime Twitch subscription at twitch.tv slash thepassionofthenerd if you actually use Twitch though um, and follow streamers do not give me the, your uh, subscriber give it to people who actually um, uh, do what Twitch is for please um, so let's go over to 
The uh, fanfic reading here is gone. Terry Boda. Here is gone. Terry Boda, chapter 23. Um, previous chapters are in the show notes. For the next couple of days, Spike sulked in his crypt. He'd gone out only once during his fit of peak, and that had been to assist Buffy with a vampire. He remembered helping her from before, remembered taunting her about her looks and her inability to keep a man, but this time he was oddly quiet. He saw the vamp slam her backwards and moved in for the kill. He dusted it and stepped back, waiting for Buffy to yell at him for getting in her way, but she hadn't. They made pleasantries, just as they had the night Olaf was in the bronze. He asked her about her mother, and she replied that Joyce was recovering, but that the house was a mess. She then complained about her classes and the cutting remarks a professor had made. He had listened and confirmed her belief that Rasputin was indeed a demon. Her smile had warmed him, and he wondered if she really didn't know how intelligent she was. He knew she hated school that studying was a hardship for her. But he also knew that she had done fairly well on her SAT scores. Buffy was far from stupid. But like so many young people in modern times, the antiquated teaching methods of the schools failed to create an environment that made learning interesting for her. Without her mind engaged and interested, she simply didn't apply herself. Instead, she allowed her low grade point average to convince her that she was dumb and accepted the common belief that she was not fit for higher education. He wondered how she would do in a small, personalized situation where her quick mind was fed all the right things. He had no doubt that she'd surprise everyone, herself most of all. Their little, nonviolent interaction had been pleasant, and he had returned to his crypt a little lighter-hearted than he had before. It wore off in a few hours, though, when he was left alone with his memories and nightmares, and the firm belief that nothing he could do would make any difference. It wasn't enough to make him give up, however, and he did tidy up his crypt in anticipation of the Council of Wankers barging in to interview him. They showed up right on time, crossbow and crucifix in hand, to ask questions about Buffy and her work. Sold, but still prone to impatience with obvious hubris, he played with them a bit, feeding them stories of his and Buffy's adventures and flirting with the young woman. It had been fun to yank them around, and he'd actually felt quite a bit better after they'd gone. Part of this was because he knew he had helped Buffy a great deal in making her look like the Super Slayer in the eyes of the Council, and the other part was his evil smugness <clears throat> in knowing he was light years ahead of them in knowing what was going with, on with Glory, the hell bitch. After they left, he aired out the place to get rid of the smell of stuffed shirts and tidied up some more because he knew Buffy would be bringing Joyce and Dawn over for him to watch and protect. Then he settled in to take a nap. He knew Buffy would wake him when she brought her mother and sister over, and he didn't want it to look like he had been expecting company. She woke him up a few hours later, by slamming the door and shining sunlight on him. He leapt up startled, ready to fight, then relaxed when he saw her. Oh, it's the Slayer, he commented, wiping the sleep from his eyes. For a second there, I was worried. 
He nodded his head towards Joyce and Dawn, who were standing behind Buffy looking rather uncertain. What's with the family outing? he asked. Buffy came close and he focused on her. She looked worn and frightened, and he once again fought the urge to reach out. He almost choked on it, that and the knowledge that she saw him as nothing more than a monster to be used and discarded at her convenience. I need, her, I need your help, she said earnestly. He snarked at her before, demanding cash, but this time he softened and leaned close. Where is it? Is there danger? The look in her eyes told him everything he needed to know about her surprise and her gratitude. See, there's a man in this monster. A man who loves you and will do anything for you. Can you bring yourself to see him, Buffy? You have to look after them, she said in a serious voice. He pretended to be affronted. It was no good to be too helpful. Being too helpful usually earned him a few bruises. Whoa! That's a buttload of manly responsibility to come out of nowhere. What's the matter, Slayer? Not feeling a hundred percent? She shook her head and crinkled her nose. No, I... He decided to tease her a bit. It would make her feel better if he acted normal. They didn't put a chip in your head, did they? No. Be funny if they did, he said, licking his teeth and smirking. She lost patience and frowned. I need an answer. Now, in or out, Spike. At his pensive look, she added quietly, You're the only one strong enough to protect them. No, I'm not. I'm a colossal failure at it. But I swear this time around I'll do better. He gave her a tender smile, confirming her belief that preying on his male ego had convinced him to help her, when just the opposite was true. All right, then, he agreed, then turned to Joyce and Dawn. Ladies, come in. Plenty of blood in the fridge. You mean like real blood? Dawn asked, taking a few tentative steps forward. He raised an eyebrow at her. What do you think? She crinkled her nose in distaste, just the way Buffy did when she was squeamish. Mostly, I think, ew. Mom, keep Dawn here as long as you can. I'll be back as soon as I can, Buffy told her mother, then turned to Spike. I know I don't have to tell you this. He smirked and rolled his eyes. Yeah, yeah. Anything happens to him, so I'll stake you good and proper. Sing me a new one sometime, eh, pet? That bit's gone stale. She looked as if she was going to retort something, then decided against it. Shaking her head and giving her mother one last reassuring glance, she hurried out. Spike looked at his remaining two reluctant guests as they cast concerned glances around the room. Poor Joyce looked as out of place as a skinhead at a Mormon convention. Um, I love what you've n neglected to do with the place, Joyce finally offered nervously. He smiled and welcomed the them in, going to the beat-up television, knowing that Joyce liked passions as much as he did, and moving to turn the TV on. Just don't break anything, and, and don't make a lot of noise, passions is coming on, he said. That got Joyce's attention, as he knew it would, and she came forward to sit in the old armchair in front of the televisions. Passions? Oh, do you think Timmy's really dead? He sat next to her on the arm of the chair. Oh, no. She can't just sew him back together. He's a doll, for God's sake. What about the wedding? There's no way they're going through with that. He smiled to himself, happy to have them there, if only for a short while. He was aware of Dawn's impatience and their preoccupation with their preoccupation with soap operas, but he left her to be to do her schoolwork, as he had, and Joyce and he sat by the glow of the television. Two hours later, Joyce was asleep in the chair. 
Spike's tattered blanket tucked around her shoulders while he and Dawn played cards for snack mix on the other side of the table. Jin! Dawn exclaimed quietly, and Spike scowled. Oi! Niblet, you've got me again! He groused as she dumped the steak's bowl of snack mix into her own winnings bowl. She laughed, giving him a coy look. She'd been flirting with him ever since her mother had fallen asleep, and he turned his attention to the bored teenager. You're not letting me You're not letting me win, are you? she asked shyly. Don't have to, Bit. You're a natural. Besides, you think I like losing all of my checks mix, do you? Stuff's expensive, you know. I think it's funny that a vampire has real food. I mean, what do you do with it? We eat it, of course. But don't vampires eat blood? Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy other stuff. Dawn shrugged as she shuffled the cards. Angel never ate any human food. He took the cards from her and shuffled them himself. Yeah, well, Angel's a wanker. She giggled and watched as he dealt another hand, each then looking at their cards and placing their wagers in the stakes bowl. This is fun, she said after a short while as they played, and you're really good at it. Yeah, well, you grow up in a time without television or radios, gotta do something to pass the time. Guards, board games, reading, made the nights go faster. I always thought that was why Victorians had such big families, she joked with a grin. He smirked and shook his head. Not going there with you, sweet bit. Sexual relations in the Victorian era were not compatible in any way. She leaned close and whispered in a conspiring tone. I once looked up a book in the library called My Secret Life. I snuck it out of the adult section. There were four volumes of this guy talking about his sex life in Victorian England. He'd go to whorehouses to have sex because his wife wasn't supposed to enjoy having sex with him. He leaned back and lit a cigarette. Yeah, that'd be about right. That whole wifely duty thing. He stopped himself and gave her a piercing glance. And did I not say I was not discussing this with you, young lady? She laughed, her eyes dancing. So what did you do those cold Victorian nights? He took a drag from the cigarette. If you tell anyone this, I will find a way to kill you, understand? Her eyes widened a little, but she leaned close expectantly. I was a proper English gentleman. I never even thought those dirty thoughts. She giggled. You? I was. And I played cards and board games with my mom and little sis on those cold Victorian nights. She blinked at his words. You had a little sister? He nodded, even as his heart sank. He hadn't wanted, wanted to speak of his family, but she'd gotten in, him into it. Sneaky little chit. Closing his eyes and crushing out his cigarette on the stone floor, I did. He hoped that she would now let it go, but she was like a pit bull with a bone. What was she like? What was her name? He sighed, calling up his sister's sweet face from memory. They had the same blue eyes, same nose, and the same wavy, sandy brown hair. Anne. Her name was Anne, and she was a lot like you. She was. He smiled, remembering Anne's laughter, and took a sip from the beer he'd been nursing for the past half hour. Yeah, she was smart and pretty like you, Bit. She had a habit of asking the wrong questions at the wrong time. Two peas in a pot we were. I adored her, and she adored me. Did you kill her? Dawn asked suddenly. He choked and spit his mouth full of beer all over the floor, startling Dawn and making her scramble back. What? He gasped, staring at her in horror and wiping his mouth. She looked guilty and ashamed. 
Buffy, Buffy always said that when you became a vampire, you go back and kill your family. Did she now? He snapped, making Dawn flinch. I wonder where she got that idea. I, I, I don't know. Now you listen, Missy, you listen good. Just because Darling and Jealous got a hankering to massacre his folks does not mean all of us go out and eat the ones who raised us after getting turned, he snarled. Oh, okay. And Jealous hated his father, and from what I've heard, the feeling was mutual. He was a womanizing drunkard who would have died from the collapse sooner or later, he continued, ignoring how he was scaring Dawn. He was a bastard in life, and he was an even bigger bastard in unlife. His brooding soullessness would like you to believe that all us vampires are just like him, but the truth of it is, he was the worst of the lot. Not even Darla, depraved bitch that she was, would do some of the things her precious child did without a blink. He paused, clenching his fists, not registering that Dawn had pressed herself against the crypt wall because he'd shifted into game phase. What? What he did to Drew, driving her mad, killing her family, and making her think the sight was a curse from the devil. That, that, was evil. At least when I went hunting, I killed them quick. Even the ones I did with the railroad spike. Once I got round to doing it, I slammed it through them right quick. Done. Gone. No messing around. I got them, let them know who I was, let them know who, that I was the one who they'd humiliated and abused, and rammed the spike through their heads. They'd never make fun of me again, the blighters. He came out of his rant to finally see Dawn cowering away from him and realize that he'd been scaring her. Touching his forehead, he felt the demon ridges and forced himself to shift back to human face. Sorry about that bit. I pop off sometimes, especially when I have to deal with having anything having to do with Angelus. Seeing his human face again made her relax a little, and she offered him an apologetic smile. You don't like him much. He lit another cigarette. Who? The Grand Poof. I hate his guts. Got all sold after eating that gypsy girl and abandoned me and Drew. Drew cried for weeks. He couldn't con I couldn't console her. She nearly got us killed dozens of times with her wailing and sloppy kills. Then he's here in sunny hell when I bring Drew here to get well after that mob in Prague almost killed her. Being all heroic-like and working against us, helping the Slayer. Goes and gets himself a happy and turns all evil bastard on us again. Takes Drew from me. Tries to destroy the bloody world. I got lots of reasons to hate that wanker. He's all depresso boy and his, his hair sticks up, she added. He took a drag from his cigarette. He's a poof. What do you expect? Pillock's in love with his hair, Joe. Dawn giggled and uncurled. Then she gave him an apologetic smile. I'm sorry I made you mad. Don't worry about it, sweet bit. You didn't know any better. And to answer your question, no, I did not kill Anne. Anne died of consumption at the tender age of fourteen, leaving me as mother's only surviving child, he answered calmly. What happened to her after you, you, you know, died? He looked down sadly, remembering. It broke her heart. I wanted to see her, let her know I wasn't really gone. But it was too dangerous. Even then I knew Angelus would kill her if he knew where she was. You protected her. He nodded. Worked with a barrister behind the scenes. Got it arranged for her to live with her sister in Yorkshire. I was there the night she left on the evening train. She didn't see me. It was the last time I saw her.
She died six years later. We didn't live long in those days. At least she died safe, Dawn said, and he turned to see what she'd, that she'd crawled up next to him and was at his shoulder. Suppose so, he answered, not entirely comfortable with her closeness. You know what I think? I think Anne was very lucky to have a brother like you, she said, placing a hand on his shoulder. At least she knew you loved her. It's more than what I have. His head whipped around toward her. What do you mean? Dawn swallowed. Remember when I asked you if I was real, when I told you that two crazy guys said I wasn't really there? He creased his brow and nodded. Well, it happened again, only this time it was Mom who said it. She called me a thing, told me to get away from her. When was this? She was in the hospital, and the night she came home and that icky space bug attacked us. Oh, bit. She wasn't in her right mind. You can't take anything she says seriously, he comforted. Dawn shook her head. There's more. Giles, Mom, and Buffy, they, 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 they talk about me when I, when they think I can't hear. There's something going on that they don't want me to know about. I, I think it has something to do with that demon Glory, the one who came to the house today. Glory came to your house, he blurted. He'd never known the exact reason why Buffy had brought Joyce and Dawn to him that afternoon. Now he knew, and he was shocked by Buffy's show of faith. She nodded. Yeah, she was in the living room. She threatened Buffy. That's when Buffy brought Mom and me here. Big Sis is putting a lot of faith in one vamp. Dawn shrugged. She knew we'd be safe here. The glory doesn't know about you, and she'd never think that Buffy would take us to a vampire for protection. Spike considered that and agreed. Glory's looking for a key. She thinks Buffy has it. She wanted to know. Glory's looking for a key. She thinks Buffy has it. She wanted to know if I knew where it was. Do, do you know what Glory's looking for, Spike? He knew he couldn't lie, but he also couldn't tell her the truth, so he hedged and said, I've got an inkling, but I'm not exactly part of the Scooby inner sanctum. They don't really keep me in the loop. I know it's important, and that Glory can't ever get her hands on it. But what does that have to do with me? She asked earnestly, and the look on her face nearly broke his heart. I'm sure that whatever it is, they're just trying to keep you safe, he told her honestly, then motioned to the forgotten cards. Now come on, it's your turn to draw. Gotta win back my checks mix, you know. Dawn gave him a little smile and moved to pick up her hand. He picked up his and looked at them, reminding himself of the hand that he had been drawn but his mind was elsewhere. Her words bothered him because he knew that she was figuring out things for herself, and he remembered how well her discovery that she was the key had gone over last time. Rearranging his hand into a more logical pattern, he added convincing Giles to tell Dawn she was the key to his list of things to do. Pillock's better tell her before she finds out about it herself, he thought, taking a card from the pile and discarding another. Dawn snatched it up with a triumphant grin and clapped down her cards. Jin! He sighed and rolled his eyes as she took her winnings. Bent better get back here for a little sis cleans me on a checks mix. Um, this uh, <clears throat> chapter is a good reminder of the fact that this story was written at the end of season six. It was written in the summertime between uh, season six and seven. So she didn't actually know uh, all the direction things were going, but it's fine. I'm still having a good time. 
Uh, all right. Back to Jack and I. We come back. All right. Well, you did it. I did it. I did. Yeah. And, and it, it, it was like everything or most <laughs> things. It wasn't as scary as I thought. No, nope, it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> What things are a lot of fun. what things are as scary as you think they're gonna be? Lions, bears. Lions, pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, Sharks. I don't know. I've never seen a lion, a bear, or a shark up front. Maybe they're maybe they're super well, nice. Spiders. I, I I live in in Australia, so we have a bunch of tiny little things that can sting you and kill you in twenty minutes. They're they're pretty, pretty scary. Root canals. Are, root, canals root canals are as scary as uh, as they actually are. There, uh, you know, it's funny. All the science of everything mm-hmm. has come along an incredible amount uh, over the oh, uh, uh, since I've been alive. But yeah. dentistry still feels medieval. It still feels yeah. like someone jamming their hands in your mouth with a pair of pliers and pulling something out or you know why is it why why don't we have robots jack that are uh, you know you take a little nap or you don't even have to open your mouth really you can do a root canal (laughs) like front through your cheek i um i actually need to get a root canal so thanks for reminding me of that that's uh (laughs) that's uh that's awkward that's my bad thanks Um, yeah. All right, Jack. Well, I really appreciate uh, you being here. I hope you had fun. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah, I really did. And uh, thanks for uh, inviting me to be a part of this. It should be a lot of fun, and I'm really excited. And I can't wait, wait to see what we can uh, can't come up with. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, this will be an evolving thing. I've said that the podcast is always a thing in flux as we try and find. Um, Things we're happy with, things that work, things that um, are a benefit to both us uh, being here and people listening. So, and um, if you're out there listening, we appreciate your time. Um, uh, you know, it's a weird time for everyone, but the one constant is we are all in it together. So you're not alone. Amen, brother. Amen. And yeah, uh, leave leave us some uh, comments down down below, and we'll. Uh... We'll uh, do do our best. Yeah, to, we'll uh, chat you re- back. Reply and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye.